0: This is my boss, Chip Sweeney, and he is uh, over next-gen and community transformation here at Perimeter Church, and uh, Chip is just, I mean, I'm sure he's going to give you uh, some of his background and things. He he started out, well, he was the junior high director here at Perimeter for several years and just has an incredible heart for community and for mission, and um, he's kind of the heartbeat of that at our church, and so... Really wanted him to come and share uh, with all of us about how to incorporate mission into our ministries. So, take it away, Jeff. All right.
1: Thanks, Jeff. Excited to be here with you all. Thank you for uh, being at Barnabas. I know it's always a great gathering of youth pastor and leader warriors. Uh, I am one of you. I um, did uh, 10 years of student ministry Officially, and I still do it um, as well. I'm just not paid to do it anymore. But I was, um, Jeff mentioned, I actually did an internship here uh, way back, I won't tell you when. Um, And then after seminary, I was the junior high uh, pastor here from 96 to 2002. And now that I have children that are teenagers. I've been a wildlife leader, if you're familiar with Young Life and wildlife, I've been a wildlife leader at the middle school uh, where my daughter was and my son is, and so very, still very involved in, with student ministry through, uh, through that venue and, and what we're doing here. Uh, a little bit more about my story, um, did not grow up in a Christian home. Um, we went to church maybe twice a year, you know, the Christmas and uh, Easter about how often we went to church. I grew up, uh, tennis was my God, played a lot of tennis, played a lot of competitive tennis, did really well. Um, But I always noticed, no matter how well I did, there was always someone else, even if it wasn't in my own city, that could beat me, uh, whether it was in the state or in the country. And um, went to college, um, graduated from college, was in the business world, rising up the corporate ladder, and uh, God, through a number of things, was breaking me, and I realized that my life, I had always achieved a lot, but never had fulfillment and satisfaction. And um, so God really used that when I was 25 in the business world to draw me to himself. And it was through a guy at work, who just kept inviting me over and over and over to a men's businessman's Bible study. So it was through him, a guy named Cy si Smith, and that businessman's Bible study that I gave my life to Christ. Um, as you know, it, I mean, it changed everything. Um, I had enjoyed growing up. I enjoyed working with kids, taught a lot of tennis to students. So I immediately got involved as a layperson in the church where we are going. It wasn't here, but... Um, quick story. My wife and I were dating when I became a believer. She ended up becoming a believer a few months later, and then we ended up getting married about nine months, I think, or a year after that. Um, but ended up um, staying, getting involved as a layperson in student ministry. I felt a calling to go into student ministry full-time, maybe, and actually came on as an intern here at Perimeter Church. Um, and it was really through that internship that I felt like, yeah, this is this is what the Lord wants me wants us to do. And uh, did that. Ended up going to seminary up at Trinity Ted's up in Chicago, and came back as the junior high pastor in '96. Uh, about the time, sort of in the time of seminary and coming out, um, God began to bring. Uh, parts of the Bible alive that I read before um, but sort of just kind of glazed over. and um, But he started, uh, parts of the Bible became alive in a much more significant way. And those parts are all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it focuses on God's heart for the poor, the oppressed, the orphan, the widow, the alien, um, those that are left out. And uh, he burdened my heart in such a way that I began to question, if I'm a real believer, if I'm a follower of Jesus, how can I not begin to live in such a way uh, that love of, love of Christ flows through me to love others that were in that situation and as he was doing that um, I became burdened to say I was the say I was the junior high pastor here and I began to say if if we want to have a healthy ministry student ministry here at perimeter how could we not how could I net how could I not mobilize students to care for um, those who were in need all around us um, long story short, uh, we started mobilizing students here, and I'll tell a little bit more about that later, but we started mobilizing students to not just do summer mission trips, which are great and are extremely valuable, uh, but our heart was, man, how how do we do this ourselves and how do we help students do it on an ongoing basis throughout the school year and during the summer and all that? And uh, we got connected, um, did a couple different things, but the thing that really took it off, took off here at Perimeter was apartment ministry, and it was, it was working with lower-income immigrants and refugees in apartment complexes. And it was these, uh, these kids that were from all over the world, um, they were beginning, or they were speaking English because they were forced to. They were in school where they needed to learn English. Their parents didn't speak English. Um, but we started taking our students and doing kind of like backyard Bible club things, and all of a sudden, that turned into, you know, going to maybe once every few months, turned into Gold Rush, where we mobilized. Um, Gold Rush, a lot of you probably know, but is where student led retreat we have every summer here, and so for the missions part of it, um, instead of doing um, you know raking and cleaning downtown Atlanta, we mobilized our students to to do these backyard Bible clubs with kids in the apartment complexes and that turned into uh, a number of students that said, Hey, I don't want to just do this during the summer, but I want to do it throughout the school year and so Then we started doing um, after-school programs, and we started identifying certain apartment complexes to begin to go regularly to do that. That was in about 2000. Um, God was working in our senior pastor's heart, Randy, about the same time. The way we would describe it here at Perimeter is at the time we were a very successful church, growing evangelical people coming to Christ. Um, So we would say we were a church that was fairly strong in the head, good theology, good doctrine. I mean, PCA, come on. Uh, Fairly strong in the heart, Um, gospel-driven, evangelical, but very weak in the hand. So for the last 10 years as a church, we've been on a journey to add the hand to the head and heart we believe a healthy church or ministry has those three strands, the head, heart, and hand. Um, and so anyway, in, in 2002, we began as a church, um, but what's really cool is the students led the charge for us as a church. Junior high and senior high students led the charge for us as a church out into the community, into, our, into the city. And... Um, then a lot has happened. I mean, we, um, we started partnering with a few other churches, and now that's taken off through something called Unite, where we have um, several hundred churches that are across denomination, across ethnicity, and we're working towards a few, three uh, mercy and justice issues that we're going after here in Atlanta. So that's a little bit of just my story and, and our story. Um, but I want to uh I'm not going to spend a lot of time in the Word, but I, I want to spend just a little bit because um, like I said, God used His Word to uh change my heart in a huge way. Now, granted, I was a fairly young believer, um, but it's the Holy Spirit and His Word that moves. And for any of us, whether you're a youth pastor, or a senior pastor, um, or a lay person, right? It's all about heart change. And it's the same thing for our students, right? I mean, we desperately want to see our students have heart change um, because that's the only real kind of change that there is. So, uh, real quickly, um, I'm going to this is one Old Testament verse, then we're going to look at the life of Jesus for just a minute. You guys are familiar with Micah 6 8? Probably. If not, it says this He has showed you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? So, what does the Lord require of us? People, humans, men and women, to act justly. And to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. Now, if you look throughout the Old Testament, it's amazing. Throughout the prophets and Psalms, um, God's heart for the downtrodden, again, the poor, the oppressed, the orphan, the widow, the alien, is just, it's apparent, it's clear. Um, he cares for those that are hurting. And certainly, right, that includes those that are spiritually lost. Um, and, and as I share, I think unfortunately what's happened, the evangelical church, and this is, this is um, beginning to, to get better, but for a long time the evangelical church, us, We separated word and deed, even though Jesus never did. Right? Word, absolutely. We we are called to proclaim Jesus, to share the gospel. How else will people come to know him? At the same time, we're called to live out the gospel and to care for those in need that are around us. It's not an either or, it's a both and. And that's what Jesus showed us. Um, Luke 4, this, is, this really struck me when, uh, this is Luke 4, 16 through 21, and it's the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is the beginning of his preaching and teaching ministry. And if you think about all the things that he could have said as he began his ministry, he says this. He pulls out a scroll of the prophet Isaiah, which is handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it's written. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the, freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor then he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant and sat down and he said today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing this is how he begins his ministry he says this is why i came to preach the good news to the poor proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind to release the oppressed To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And as that began to jump out, it was like, whoa, this is important to Jesus. This isn't a byproduct. This isn't a nice kind of like, hey, this is one of those things out there. This is part of the gospel, this is part of Jesus' life and ministry. This is God's heart. Uh, I won't read these but if you look a little bit later in Matthew he shares that he has gone out and he's teaching and preaching and he's healing. It's interesting in most every spot they're together. So yes, he's proclaiming, he's teaching, Matthew 4:23, he's teaching and he's preaching but he's healing, he's caring for. Jesus never separated the two. And then he calls his disciples to do the same thing in Matthew 10, 7 and 8. And then we come to the end of his ministry. And near uh, some of his last words is in Matthew 25, 31 to 46. And he talks about how we as followers are going to be evaluated. Not whether we're Christians or not, but how we're evaluated. And he says, to the extent you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. Just like you're doing it to me as you've done it to the downtrodden, the poor, the oppressed, the orphan, the widow, the alien. So as these scriptures began coming alive, I realized that if I was a follower, I had to... I had to beg God to give me a heart that would care um, and that I could share that and help facilitate that with others. Okay, so here's what I'd like you to do. For about 10 minutes, I'm going to let you um, gather with maybe, just do maybe three, maybe pockets of three or four at the most. And here's what I want you to talk about is what is word and deed, what, we've, what I've just shared, what does it look like in your own life? And what does it look like in your own student ministry right now? And don't feel this is not a guilt trip. This is just, and I, and I know there's some awesome things that are going on. And I'll share with you, Jeff and Matt would be the first to say, hey, man, we're, we have significant challenges here in our student ministry in doing this well. So, but I just want you to share uh, what does it look like in your own life in terms of word and deed, mission, and then in your student ministry. Okay, I'm going to give you about five to ten minutes, and then I'm going to let a few groups share. Okay, can we do that? Ready, set, Go. All right, y'all, I know that uh, you could use more time to share. If we have some time, we'll do a little bit more kind of as a group at the end. But um, could I get maybe just a few of you to share something as it relates to, to you and your student ministry, just what, uh, what you're doing maybe or what you'd like to be doing? Anybody want to share? I know this is not a really shy group now. Okay.
0: Well, uh, at least within our ministry, we go to um, a Christian homeless uh, center every every quarter. Mm-hmm. We'll just sit down and talk with them and do whatever they need. And, um, it's a good time, but we don't go nearly enough. We go like twice a year. Um, and that's all that we do, that's all that we've done. And like, it doesn't in any, in any way sort of help with getting our kids having mindset or You just spend like $300 a, a person, a volunteer, and you pair it up individually with these with these kids, and it's totally free for the kids. And it's a whole weekend at a summer camp um, type of facility where they just have a lot of fun. And so it's great to get,
1: get that going, but let's see. Just yeah. We'll ramp into doing something. So. It's great. Good. Any others? All right. You may be sitting here. And you're saying, "Oh man." I know God's heart here. Um, I have so much going on with our students. I don't know how could add anything else. Um, right? Students are extremely busy. Um, does that sound familiar? Yeah, it does, and that, and I know your reality because I've been there. Um, and there are, it's, it is challenging. I want to share with you five things that were sort of part of our story of getting this started here that may be helpful, um, and uh, I, I think will um, at least give you some encouragement. Because uh, it's easy to get discouraged in this. Uh, The first is I mentioned heart change, right? The key is it's just like what happened for me or for you or for anyone else. God has got to capture our heart for him and for his mission. It's not our mission. It's his mission. And, And how do we do that ourselves? It's the word. It's being around God's people. Um, and so with our students, you know, what does it look like to maybe begin to, to teach and begin to take some of these scriptures and help it come alive to our students, help them begin to see what is God's heart? What is God's mission? Um, and what does that look like? So maybe, again, it's just a, you know, I don't know, a couple weeks out of the year or, or you begin to... Um, you know, put it in stories throughout. But um, I think it's the bottom line is heart change, and it's through His Word and uh, through prayer that our hearts and their hearts are going to change, and that's what happened uh, happened with me and happened with us as student ministry. Uh, the next one is a saying that uh, I think will be encouragement: Think big, start small, go deep. Think big, start small, go deep. Um, the think big is um, have a big vision related to your student ministry. I'm not, not just talking about this, the missional piece of word and deed, but have a big vision for um, your ministry and for the impact that you want to see happen in your students' lives. Dream big. Um, what is it you want to see um happen in your students' lives between now and um, not just the end of this year, but even over the next three to five years. Have a big vision. Dream big. Think about if God was to come in and change your leaders' hearts, our hearts, our leaders' hearts, and our students' hearts, what could that look like in terms of mission in your community and your city and those schools where, for example, your students are? But don't think you have to start big. In fact, I think that's where we probably get hung up the most is thinking, oh, my gosh, I, I don't even know where to start. Well, start small. Think of something small and tangible that you could do with, say, you and your small group or discipleship group or um, for me, as we were getting started, I started taking my discipleship group at the time to a place that was for um, homeless kids. It was homeless women and children, really, but we were working with the kids. And I probably did that maybe once a month at the most. Maybe it was once every six weeks. And just, um, just to kind of begin to help expose them. Uh And then we decided, um, okay, was there a way to even in a small way build it into our programming? In a small way, not not in a like, okay, this is going to become one of our primary programs. But at the time, we had a rotational schedule on Sunday nights. We did discipleship at the time. Discipleship was on Wednesday nights. On Sunday nights, we would do different things with our middle school students. And once a month, as part of that rotation, we started doing something called Mission Mania, and we took students to a, it was called Annandale Village. It was mentally challenged adults. And we would go and just play basketball and, che- and checkers and just go hang out with them. And it wasn't a big deal at all. It, I, I mean, it was, it was, you know, scheduling and taking That once a month, but it was really easy and it began to capture some of our kids' hearts about um, those who were in need around us. Again, it could be, it could start out with three or five students or two students. I mean, start small. Another part of that, but I I list as a different one, but I'll just mention it here. The go deep, it's good and okay to do work projects where we go and build houses and clean up yards and pick up trash. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's a lot of times what we need to do to show um, and help our kids just see, hey, be a servant. Be willing to do things no one else wants to do. All right, but don't stop there is going deep is building relationship. Help a few of your kids build relationship, whether that's, a, whether that's some kids in an apartment complex or at a school or at a, you know, a homeless place, whatever it may be, is how can we help them build relationships? Um, we learned that not every student is going to want to do this. So instead of getting stressed out about trying to mobilize your whole youth group, go with the willing. Go with the willing. I remember when we started, um, I mean, we got some traction initially because of Gold Rush, and we had missions leaders for Gold Rush, and so they, you know, they really went after it. Um, but initially, it was a small group of students that God had already prepared. God had given them this heart they just needed someone to lead them and take them with them <laughs> us go with them and do it and it was really just a few so who who are some of those students that maybe God's already working on in your student ministry even though you may have nothing going on but God is working on their heart in a way and And that's the way they want to be missional and live that out. Maybe it's one kid, or maybe it's a couple. But you know, don't get overwhelmed and give up and think, oh, I don't see, there's no way I could get my whole group, whole youth group, to do something. Absolutely. It's impossible to get everybody to do anything, right? But who are the ones. that God's prepared. Uh, there has to be a champion. There has to be a champion. The champion may be you, maybe you as the youth pastor, the youth leader. And that's the way, you know, the way God worked it for us is He did something to me, and I became the champion for. Um, helping mobilize our students and then as he would have it mobilizing us as a church but you know what it doesn't have to be you it could be someone else on your staff it could be a lay leader who is God already working on maybe that's already one of your leaders or someone that's in your church that has begun this is stirring in their heart. I think it's important to know though, if it's not you, um, that we as, the, we as the leader still have to cast vision for it. If it's something that God said that you say, I think this needs to be part of our student ministry and we need to help our students with it. The youth pastor, youth leader, we still have to cast vision for it because they follow us. They follow you, and then you have to empower. If it's not you, if you're not the champion, then we have to empower that person to do it, and we have to give them some um, some authority to be able to do it, and some priority. To be able to do it, does that make sense? Um, I uh, just—it all gets back to leadership, just like anything in our ministries, right? It all gets back to leadership, and uh, so there's got to be a champion, and it may be you or it may be someone else. So think big, start small, go deep, heart change, have identify a champion, go with the willing. And um, be missional by not just doing projects, but building relationships. Mm. Okay. I want to wrap here in the next 10 minutes. So here's what I'd like you to do. Um, In your group again, I want you to think of what's one step, simple step, if you feel so led, to take when you get home. Related to this. And it may be. It may be that you just say. You know what? I need to get away for a day. And pray. And ask the Lord. Because I have no idea. But is there something. Again getting back to think big. Start small. Is there, is there one step. One thing. Okay. So go ahead and do that in your groups. And then I'll finale us in about seven or eight minutes. All right, we're going to wrap it up here. Hopefully, maybe we'll have, you we can have some ongoing dialogue. But uh, just just share what, uh, either yourself or something that was shared at your group, what are any any takeaways? Good, that it gets back to that whole, again, you know, think big, start small, go deep. It doesn't. I want you to leave here feeling empowered and encouraged, again, that um, this is not something where you've got to radically change everything you're doing. Good. Other, any other thoughts, ideas? So teaching and equipping, bringing someone in to Sunday school and letting the, the deacon share, that's a great, great way to make a connection yeah great idea. and I love what you said about you know if you don't particularly if you don't already have um, some ministries or some organizations that you're already partnering with, but to begin step back a little bit and kind of better understand your community around you and even do a little bit of that kind of research and find out what's already going on, what we did is we launched, when we launched community outreach is we First of all, we had to confess that uh, we were not doing as a church and, then, uh, and that we didn't know what the needs were. And then we began to research and find out not only what the needs are, but who are some of the best uh, players, assets, organizations in, that we doing things. Um, so I think that's, that's a great idea. Yeah. And is there something that's not nearly as sexy but is right around your community and your city that is a real tangible way uh, for them to make a difference? Yeah, well, that's, man, what a great opportunity you have with those students going and being able to come off that. And that's very exciting. Good. Any other thoughts? Well, let me say thank you for who you are and what you're doing. There is no more strategic ministry than student ministry. And I know some of you have been in this a long time, and some of you may be just getting started. Um, Be encouraged that you're having more of an impact than you would ever imagine. And um, I know just recently I got a letter From a girl who came up through our student ministry and now is getting ready to go into full time uh, sort of local missional work. And, um, you know, I just thought, wow, she's been, because I remember when she strayed and did a lot of this, and you just never know how God is going to work in these students' hearts and lives. So be encouraged. Thank you for what you're doing. and uh, let me pray and we'll close. Father, we uh, give thanks for the gospel. Lord, the only reason we have hope and we have life is because of you. And even this week as we move toward a celebration of your death and resurrection, maybe may we be reminded and would you work in our hearts about your mission? And how is it that we as individuals and as families, how can we be part of your mission? And then how can we mobilize those in our domain, our students, our youth group? um, How can we do that, Lord, that um, would be part of building your kingdom? So Lord, give us encouragement, give us wisdom on even a simple step, a small step, whatever that may look like. Um, but thank you that, Lord, we don't have to earn and work to get your favor, that you've already, um, your love is full for us because of what Jesus did. So we give thanks. Pray for all the leaders uh, that are here. Pray for a great rest of the time today and tomorrow. May it be enriching, encouraging, um, and even life-changing. In Jesus' name, amen.